Well, hi, C3 Powerhouse. It's Katie Haldane. I am so excited to be with you. I genuinely wanted to be with you face to face, but welcome to 2020 and 2021, COVID lockdown in New South Wales. But thank you so much, Pastor John and Danielle, for having me. I am so honored to be a part of this Philippians series. I have to say, we did a think tank of all the preachers. That was my most favorite time of my life. I had so much fun just chatting to the different preachers and you guys are getting ready for a great series because I've heard a sneak preview of some of them and they're amazing. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Philippians 4. Now, grab your Bibles, on your phones, wherever you like it, lean in, engage. I know I'm on video, but that doesn't mean you get to sit back and watch me. I want you engaged. I want you reading your Bible. I want, as though I'm there in the room watching you. No, not really. But let's have a look at Philippians. Now, what I'm going to do, guys, is just set you up a little bit because historical context is an academic way of basically saying what's happening. Why is Paul writing this book? What we're going to have a look at Today at nine o'clock service and again at 6 p.m. service, guys, they're going to be different messages. So come back tonight because I'm going to kind of do part two of the message tonight. And what I'm talking about is that joy is a choice. No matter what happens in your life, you are going to have situations that are completely out of your control. And the thing that you can control is your reaction to those situations because that's your choice. You can go with the flow. I mean, we've been in lockdown since July or something. And I have to say in the beginning, I was like, oh, because it was out of my control. I was frustrated. I wanted to go to church and actually see people face to face. I wanted to do this stuff, but I had to make a choice. Am I going to roll with this? Am I going to roll with my circumstances and let my circumstances dictate my attitude, my attitude towards my my family, my attitude towards what's happening? Or am I going to make a choice and go, you know what? I can choose. I can't choose the situation or the circumstance, but I can certainly choose my reaction to it. So we're going to have a chat about that. How did Paul choose his reaction to being in prison. So let's go, guys. In this essence, it's kind of, as we were discussing this series, I was like, we could call this living in lockdown, but you guys aren't in lockdown. So if I was in New South Wales preaching this, I would call this message living in lockdown. For you guys, it's joy is a choice. So Philippians 4, I want you to have a look at Philippians 4.4. That is the scripture that we're going to sit in. I'm going to bounce in and out of that scripture. But what's happening, the historical context, what is Paul facing when he writes these letters. Can I just get a little bit of a Bible teacher moment? Paul doesn't write any letters without a something that he's responding to. Why? It's just too expensive. And he doesn't, you know, I'll just flick that person an email and it's free. No, for Paul, this costs a fortune. So he always has something that he's responding to when he's writing these letters. And in Philippians, he's writing to different churches. He's in prison. And he's writing to different churches. Why? Because he can't get there. It's so amazing. The circumstances of these letters was if Paul wasn't in prison, we wouldn't have the New Testament. Think about that. We wouldn't have these New Testament letters. Why? Because he would just talk to them face to face. You know, it's a it's an oral society. They're used to somebody reading these letters. Most of the people can't read. So most of his communication was face to face going to the churches. And we don't have a record of those sermons and those preachers that he did. But when he got put in prison, the only thing he could do was write letters. And we are blessed by his persecution. (laughs) We are blessed by, you know, every circumstance you can turn around for good. Paul gets in prison, writes these letters. He's like, well, I can't get out there. I can't preach. I can't get out there and do my stuff. I don't care. It's not going to stop me. I'm going to write these letters. And we are blessed by these letters. And how incredible is that? If Paul wasn't put in prison, 
we wouldn't have half the New Testament. So it's kind of really cool that you can turn anything around for good. Now, where is um, Philippians based? Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, they're all the letters that he's writing to because he can't get to those churches. And Philippians is all about rejoicing because what he's doing is he's saying, hey, guys, I'm in prison. I'm back in prison, but guess what? I'm still rejoicing. And what you're supposed to do in this letter, guys, is you are supposed to read his attitude from it. You can go in and delve in and have a look at the incredible theology and stuff in this letter, but what you're supposed to do is read it and read his attitude because he tells you from the beginning, and I think Pastor John might have mentioned this last week, he tells you from the beginning, I thank my God every time I remember you. And he's saying, hey, I'm in prison and I'm still praising and I'm still rejoicing and I'm still doing all of this stuff. So you're supposed to take it kind of as a model to follow. So he, let me tell you how this church was birthed. The Philippians, the, the Philippians um, congregation, the church in Philippi was birthed when Paul and Silas were in prison in the original Acts 16 account. You can imagine them going, hey, I've heard Paul's back in prison. I wonder if they're still praising or are they a bit jaded at the moment? They're a bit cranky about their situation. And he writes this letter to the Philippians and he says, still rejoicing here, folks, back in prison, but still rejoicing. How cool would that be? I'm, it's like lockdown. Back in lockdown, but still rejoicing, I would write that letter to you. Actually, I'm not sure I I would write that letter. Somebody said to me once, when you read these letters, I can't wait to meet Paul because I'm going to go, how did you rejoice in prison? Let me tell you, this is what we're going to go through today. How do you rejoice when circumstances are out of your control? How do you rejoice when things go wrong? How do you keep, look at Philippians 4.4. Let's have a read of the scripture. Philippians 4.4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Sometimes I wish the Bible wasn't so black and white. Excuse the pun. Mark Kelsey would love that. Um, I wish the Bible kind of had a bit of bend in it. You know, rejoice in the Lord when circumstances are good or rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it or no, it gives you a declaration to live up to. It says rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Why? Because I know Paul's in prison and he's writing this as a declaration from prison. He's not writing it in good circumstances. He's writing it from bad circumstances saying, if I can rejoice, so can you. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm going to give you three points here. And my message is this. One you remain in, one you reject, and one you receive. They're the three points that we're going to go through to to find out the secret of joy. What is, what is the secret of joy? What does Paul teach us in this letter that we can put in our lives? Okay, number one, remain in joy. I love the fact that in the beginning he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. No matter his circumstances, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you see with your kids, your business, your situation, remain in joy. But let me tell you something. Joy is not just happiness. Happiness and joy are two different things. He doesn't just say, you know, don't worry, be happy. That's why I'm not a singer on the worship team, guys. That's why I teach, not sing. He doesn't just say, just be happy all the time. He says, rejoice. Now, when you're reading your Bibles, guys, you've got to know that this, what he writes, he has taken a long time to think about what he's writing and choosing those words. And the word he uses here is joy. Why? Because joy is a solid foundation no matter what your circumstances are doing. Happiness 
can, is a, a, the word Greek word happiness comes from happen, meaning your happiness is determined by what is happening around you. And that means it's temporal. It goes up and down. I can be happy one day, sad the next. And he's saying, no, no, I'm not asking you to tap into something that's temporal. I'm asking you to tap into something that's eternal. I'm asking you to tap into the joy, the joy that comes from your salvation. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm going to go through four points of joy so that you're not tapping into happiness. Because can I say, one day you wake up and it's like, woohoo, life's amazing. God's on the throne. If, if you're just judging on happiness and then the next day, Every circumstances are bad and I'm back down. Don't be a yo-yo Christian. What does that mean? I'm up one day, I'm down the next day. You know, you ring and you're not sure which personality you're going to get. Are we going to be faith-filled today or are we going to be horrible today? No, we need to remain in joy. We need to be strong, solid. That's why the Bible is so important. Strong, solid Christians of joy. So let me tell you four points of joy. Number one is this. True joy comes from God. Oh, I love this. True joy does not come from Instagram, all of this stuff around you, true joy comes from God alone. And this is in Psalm 1611, guys. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Can I say if you're lacking joy, get in the presence of God. (laughs) Have a worship session at your house tonight and just get that joy back into your house. Your kids need that joy. Your wife needs you to have a worship session. You need to be in the joy of the Lord because number one, your circumstances aren't going to give you joy. The only joy, it comes from God alone. I love this Romans 15, 13. This is ESV. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Can I say, if you've lost your hope this morning, if you feel like God is not a God of hope, that's the first step to getting it back. God is a God of hope. And in your prayer time, you go back into your prayer closet and you realize that your God is a God of hope. And it says, may that God of hope fill you with all joy. When you start to realize that God is on the throne, he is in control, not the premiers, not the decision makers of of our government. God is in control with what's happening. And you get that fresh hope back on your life, that fresh essence that he is on the throne. He is across everything. That is the time where God fills you with joy. And we need that, right? Okay. Number two, This is about remaining in. This is what we've got to remain in. We've got to remain in joy. This is Philippians 4.4. So number two, true joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Can I say you don't have to conjure up your joy? Sometimes I talk to some Christians and it's like they're conjuring up the joy. Oh, praise God. And I'm like, oh, and most of them are like actually genuinely joy filled because they've got the keys in their life. Don't conjure up your joy. It's a fruit. What does that mean? It comes from being in Christ. You know, John, John five being in remain in the vine, remain in Christ and remaining in the Holy Spirit. Galatians five twenty two says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We all need these. And you know what? They're all traits that we can't get on our own. Peace doesn't come on our own thinking through things. Patience doesn't come on our own. Oh, I attest to that. Drive in Sydney for a bit. Patience does not come on your own. (laughs) You need the Holy Spirit to have this. So if you are lacking joy, then spend time in the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues, get that. You know, I love that speaking in tongues. It's kind of igniting that flame in you again, getting the Holy Spirit over your circumstances and have this moment where it's a fruit. What does that mean? If you remain in him, it just, it just comes out of your life. Number three, true joy is our strength. I love this. Nehemiah 8.10 says, 
Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you need to get the joy of the Lord back. Some of you need to get the joy of your salvation. Can you see in 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He doesn't say rejoice in your situation because sometimes your situation is not what you want. I'm not rejoicing in lockdown. I'm I'm in lockdown, even though I'm an introvert and I'm loving lockdown. (laughs) I don't have to see people. No, I'm joking. Even though I I like being in lockdown because I am an introvert, I'm not rejoicing in, in the lockdown situation or I'm not rejoicing in the fact that I will get out of lockdown soon because that's temporal. I am rejoicing in the Lord. And if you go back to your Philippians, underline in the Lord. He's saying, don't rejoice in your circumstances because why? The true joy of the Lord is your strength. Rejoice in him. I'm rejoicing that I'm saved. I'm rejoicing that I can have hope in lockdown. I'm rejoicing in everything that my God gives me, everything on the cross. And when my brain goes to another situation where, oh, but Katie, look at that. I start rejoicing in the Lord. No, I'm saved. No matter what happens, I'm going to heaven. No matter what happens, I have a message of hope for my neighbors. Can you see? It's not about rejoicing in your circumstances. It's about rejoicing in the Lord. And then he, this is why Paul says, I'll say it again, rejoice, because he knows you can always rejoice in the Lord. That never changes. So number four, this is what we're remaining in here, guys. True joy never changes because his salvation and righteousness do not change. Like I said, Isaiah 61 10 confirms this. Oh, I love Isaiah. How good is Isaiah? It's such a book of hope and this essence of it, Maybe you need some lifting up. Read Isaiah. It's all about this incredible perspective of God. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God for he has clothed me. Can you see that for? I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God for. He's kind of got this essence. Maybe this morning, guys, you need to stop watching the news and complaining about everything that's going on there because we can all get caught in that trap. And maybe some of you haven't seen your family and situations are bad. Stop focusing on that and start getting your, why am I rejoicing? I'm rejoicing because I've got salvation. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Oh my gosh, you can always rejoice. So number one, remain in joy. Remain in that solid foundation of joy. Number two, this is what we Paul's calling us to reject. So in, in um, it says reject anxiety. This is in uh, verse five. I love this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Can I just add that to the last point? Why are you remaining in joy? Why are you remaining in God? Why? Because let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. He doesn't say just remain in him because of all these traits. He says he's with you. Can I say that to you, C3 Powerhouse, this morning? No matter what you're going through. I love the scriptures that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no no evil for you are with me. Sometimes people think God leaves when you go to the valley. Oh, good luck, Christian. You're on your own through the valley. No, he walks with you through that valley. Sometimes when, when I see people going through grief, I'm like, God is with you through that grief. In trouble, in times of trouble, your God never leaves you. And you need to know that you can rejoice in God always because he's always near to you. No matter what you are going through, remember, he doesn't leave. He will never leave you nor forsake you, says in Joshua. Meaning what? No matter what you walk through, he's walking there with you. I know that there's times in my life that I'm like, you still with me, Lord? And he's like, yep, I'm still with you, Kate. I'm never leaving you because we're going through a hard time, right? (laughs) In lockdown, you're still with me, Lord? He will never leave you. So that is your remain. Okay. What do we reject in these times? The secret of joy, because joy is a choice. We need to reject anxiety. Today, guys, anxiety is such a a common thing in our societies, common thing in our communities. We're all anxious about what's going to happen. We've all got this anxious. And it says here, 
Oh, I love this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Can you see where the Bible always gives you a declaration and then what, how you fulfill that declaration? Can I say, especially Paul, he's an incredible debater. So what he'll do is he'll throw out a declaration, but don't, don't, don't just read the declaration because he gives you the keys on how to actually do that declaration. Some of us know the declarations, but we don't know the, the, the promises of how to do it. So he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's, there's some conditions here. He's saying rejoice, remain in joy, but reject anxiety. And can I say that to you this morning, church? Reject anxiety. I love this. It says, do not be anxious. It's this declaration. And it says, don't just reject anxiety, but pray with thanksgiving. Don't pray with grumbling. Don't pray with lament, we call it. It's okay to to, to have lament. What does that mean? It means this this sense of um, being honest and open to God, but complaint is where it goes wrong. Complaint means, God, what are you doing? How dare you? Lament means, God, I know you're on the throne, but what the heck's happening? So he's saying, don't just even pray with that that sound in your mouth. Pray with thanksgiving. Get your thanksgiving back into your mouth, guys. Get your praise. Reject that anxiety. I know for a fact, because I'm a, I'm a pretty anxious person um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, any perfectionist out there. So I want to do everything perfectly. So my anxiety gets quite high. But you know what? I've got to remain in joy one and reject that anxiety too. If I'm remaining in joy, I can't have both of them together. I remain in joy and I reject that anxiety. And that's what Paul's saying. How am I rejoicing in prison? I'm remaining in God's joy. I'm keeping my focus on that and I'm rejecting that anxiety. And that means don't let it come into your brain. Now, now I know some people, oppression and depression are actually medical conditions, but I'm talking about those who don't have a medical condition of this can actually say, I reject you in Jesus name. I will not let you come into my mouth. I will not let you come into my family. I will not let you be a part of this. So you've got this beautiful, can I say it's your choice. Choose to remain in joy, choose to reject anxiety. Okay. Let's get some scriptures around this. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Oh, I love this. 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. How good is that? Again, there's that four. Some of you have got to find your four, F-O-R. You've got to find your praise. You've got to find, let me tell you a funny story. When I was young, my mother was always trying to teach me to um, speak well, think positive, because unfortunately my brain would go to the negative. And my mum would always say, you know, Katie, think positive. Give me five positive traits about what you're about to do. Anyway, we were talking about someone. I was a teenager. We were talking about someone. And I was being a typical teenager, you know. Oh, that person's that and I don't like his hair. And I was just being a typical teenager. My mum went, just give me one nice point, praise point about this person. And I said, um, well, he has really nice eyebrows. Well, that is now the thing of my family. If you can't say anything nice, talk about their eyebrows. So whenever somebody says in our family, what's that person like? We, we all go, oh, nice eyebrows. There is always a praise point of four. It might be your eyebrows. It might be something, but there is always something to praise God about. That's just a light, funny joke. Now you can say, that guy's got really nice eyebrows. Talk, turn to the person next to you and say, nice eyebrows. All right. Now, Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Oh, I love this scripture. Don't you love the word of God? Can you feel it just shifting things in your head? Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit 
be in the vines. What's Habakkuk's doing? He's saying, though, though, those circumstances are bad. The produce of the of olive fail and the fields yield no food. If I was writing this today, I'd say, though Sydney's still in lockdown, though unfortunately things are going wrong. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet. Oh, Christians, come on, C3 Powerhouse, get your yet back. Stop focusing on the though and get your yet. Get that yet back in your spirit. Yet I will rejoice. Can you see how it's a personal choice? He's saying, though this person's doing that, though this is happening, though all these things I cannot control, yet I choose, joy is a choice, I choose to rejoice. And not psychopathic happiness due to circumstances of happening, no. I choose to rejoice a solid, strong foundation that if he is at my right hand, Psalm 16, 8, I will never be shaken. There's this essence of foundation in this beautiful scripture. I will take joy in the, in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet that like the deers and he makes me tread on high places. Can I say C3 powerhouse, get your yet back. Stop focusing on the though, start yet. Yet I will praise. As you walk out the doors tonight, turn to somebody and say, yet I will praise. Though this is happening, yet I will praise. I love this. It kind of switches your focus, doesn't it? It switches your focus on, oh my gosh, woe is me. What is this? To, no, get your eyes up. Get your eyes off the circumstances and start rejoicing. Okay, remain in joy. Reject anxiety and, and have that, that sound of yet in your mouth. Have that sound of praise in your mouth. And lastly, receive peace. Oh, don't you love it? In, in one little section, Paul has done this. And it, this is in 4, 7. And the peace. Can I, can I just say, guys, some people jump to the peace and you want the peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But Paul has journeyed you through. You've got to remain in the joy, reject anxiety to get the peace. Can you, can you feel that? When we keep the Bible verses in context, it kind of explodes the promises around it. Remain in the joy of the Lord. Reject anxiety and get that praise back in your mouth. And from that, from that result, from that fruit, peace. Oh, I love this. And the peace of God, which transcends, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I say this over myself all the time. Why? I need my heart and my mind guarded by the peace of God. My heart that gets anxious, that gets overwhelmed, that, that, starts, that starts the emotions of anxiety. I need the peace of God over that. Can you feel the peace of God? I'm feeling it in this place. It's so beautiful. That peace that comes on you when you realize that God's in control, when you remain in his joy, when you reject the thoughts and the though, though this is happening, that when you get that yet back in your spirit and that peace that comes on you. Um, Paul clearly says, I love this. I love it. it. The peace goes beyond your understanding. Can you see that? Oh, this is so good. And the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding. Can I say some of you are on a quest for understanding in circumstances that are out of your control because you want the understanding before the peace. You're going to get the peace by working it out and figuring it out and work out how this person is going to get saved and how you're going to. Can I say that's an idol of understanding? Get rid of that. Sometimes the peace will come when you remain in God. You don't understand what's going on still. You reject anxiety and you just get the peace of God no matter what's happening in your life. Don't go for a quest of understanding. Go for the quest of peace. And this is what Paul's saying here. Um, you've got to remove that idol of understanding to receive that peace sometimes. And sometimes you've got to just get in the presence of God and say, I do it all the time. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I've got to switch off my brain and trying to work this out, trying to figure out how are you going to do this? How are you going to answer this? prayer how is this going to work out stop that 
This peace goes beyond your understanding. Let your understanding go and just receive that peace. Philippians 4, 7 which we went through and the peace of God, which goes against all understanding. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Can I say the peace of God can guard your heart and your mind? What does that mean? It's overtaking your thoughts. It's, it's washing those thoughts of anxiety. It's getting rid of everything that, that you're holding onto in your brain. You've got to let those thoughts of anxiety go. And receive the peace of God. So I hope you've loved this, guys. Three things. Remain in joy. Reject anxiety. Receive his peace. This is all in those three kind of four um, verses of this incredible book of Philippians. So, guys, I'm going to do part two tonight. And part two, we're going to talk about rejecting FOMO. We're going to talk about how to be content in our circumstances from the book of Philippians. So I've loved being with you. I hope you've loved this session and I cannot wait to come in at 6 p.m. service. Come back 6 p.m. service tonight. We're going to do part two of this message. Now, if you can't do 6 p.m. tonight, I want you to do two things for, for me. I want you to read Philippians 4. Just be in the book. Just have a look at it. Just wrestle with it and, and get some instructions from it. Secondly, your memory verse. Do you remember memory verses in Sunday school? How good were they? Your memory verse this week, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Just have that going over your brain. Rejoice in the Lord always. You can sing it. I've I've got a song in my head. You do not want to hear it. You can have that song in your head. Have that word of God going through your brain so that you can remain in God's joy. I've loved being with you, C3 Powerhouse, and I'll see you at 6 p.m. service tonight.